imagination that's all around us, John. <laughs> so you're saying that all I can remember is all the different <laughs> items of household sort of furniture that we'd use to smash each other over the head with. They usually go, here comes the window cleaner, and he'd come out with a ladder. And then he starts to smash the other person in the face with it. You're listening to The Occupational Philosophers with Simon Banks and John Rice. Hey, and welcome to The Occupational Philosophers. But before we go any further, what are you going to get from today's show? We'll look at what is imagination and how it expresses itself. We're going to look at why imagination is useful and how we can spark imagination in ourselves as individuals within the teams we work in and the organisations we're part of. And importantly, we'll understand why the man who cannot visualise a horse galloping on a tomato is an idiot. Hey, and welcome to another episode of The Occupational Philosophers. Hi, Simon. What's caught your eye this week? John, what's been catching my eye this week and for a few weeks is a show called Transparent. Have you ever heard of that show? I have not. Tell me more. Okay, it's about a really interesting family that lives in Los Angeles and they discover that dad is later stage in his life, he's probably 60, 65, is coming out as a transgender person. And so it, it's ah. around this theme, but you really think, that you think, oh, that's the theme, but once you dive into it, it's about weird and wonderful families and how they interact and it's just so joyous to see how kooky and unusual this family is and i love i can't get enough of it i love it in australia (laughs) it's on amazon prime i'm not sure the rest of the world where it is but it's been one of the most a huge amount of awards and emmys and all different things but yeah i I can't wait to watch it it sort of lends itself to today's theme i'm just always imagining what's going to happen next with so much (laughs) anticipation i I love it well i'm going to put that on my list but I have to say, I'm starting to get overloaded. I think my, I don't think I'm ever going to get through my watch list. Yeah. <laughs> it just keeps getting bigger. I just just stop making stuff, please. I, I can't catch up. It's really doing my head in. Anyway, what's caught my eye this week was a little news story about adults who play games for a living. So there are grown-ups in the world who take part in things like World Hide and Seek Championship or World Conquer Championships. And these are adults with, and you know, there's prize money at stake here, not massive prize money, but they play these games very seriously. I think there's one lady who competes in the Conquer competition and everyone else turns up in fancy dress and, you know, just there for a bit of love. But she's proper athlete. She's got like uh, dry wick sort of athletic tops on and, and a, a water bottle to hand and a headband and a coach massaging her shoulders before she sort of takes her first strike with a conquer. But yeah, I thought <laughs> I thought it was amazing. People have genuinely quit, as it were, day jobs and are now playing kids games and they take part in all these contests around the world. I was just thinking about, I wonder what game I would want to play if I had to play a game all the time. What would I and what, what, so, what was it? Tiddlywinks, Snakes and Ladders, something like that. Snakes and Ladders champion. What would you do? Okay. Something physical? No, I just, well, I'm not even sure. Uh, maybe something you could, like darts. People play that for a living. <laughs> <laughs> Drink a no, beer, that is a, throw some that is, sharp things. <laughs> that is a sport already. 
Yeah, grow a mullet. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, just if you're outside of England, you've got no idea what a conker is. What What's that? Oh, a conker is... Yeah, in uh, Australia, it's not a thing. Oh, right. Okay, yeah. So horse chestnut trees in the UK shed conkers. So they are sort of inside these spiky green shells or cases and they all drop to the floor and you kids go frantically pick these up and crack them open and you get this dark brown nut in the middle of it and then what you will do with those and i remember doing this is you thread some string or piece of string through these conkers so you make a hole with a little sort yep. of nail or something you string it through and then you you hold somebody holds their conker and the other person has to hit their conker by swinging their piece of string with the conker on the end of theirs and try and smack the other conker and crack it or make it fall off its piece of string. So you get people who really put some force into it. There's some techniques. People often used to bake them in vinegar to make them harder. (laughs) I know. That's kind of sort of performance-enhancing drugs for conkers, vinegar. (laughs) bit contemptuous but you know I, I can get it now just on the world hide and seek championship like this is a thing correct this is a thing yeah the current uh, holder they haven't seen him for about six years <laughs> today's show is about imagination something that we mention a lot in what we talk about and is even what our show is about to spark creativity, curiosity, and imagination. But it might be one of those things where you think, hmm, I wonder what it is. So we'll dive a little bit more into the world of imagination and importantly, how can we use it at home, in our teams, in our organizations? Because I think it's it's undervalued, John. I, would you say? Like we don't – it's not front and centre like it should be, especially when you dive into the research that we have. All of a sudden you think, ooh, impressive. Yeah. need more of this. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I was fascinated as I started to sort of read around and sort of try to get a better grasp of imagination and, and what it was. As you say, quite synonymous with creativity, and I think it's kind of sort of pushed together in the same sentence, go, oh, we need to imagine and be creative. But actually, yeah, imagination – quite a special thing they don't know where it exists in the brain yet so the neuroscience really hasn't caught up with just how mystical and magical imagination is but it's certainly something first off to to define what it is we're talking about here baby or the beginnings of what we might call it yeah it's something about i was seeing as bringing forth something that doesn't exist in the mind so it could be something then that we conjure up as an image or something or or think about in our, in our heads. And then creativity, then you might say, oh, maybe the creativity then is the bit of bringing it into life or bringing it into the real world, something that's novel or useful. So I was starting to see that distinctions, but again, it's not clear cut at all. No. <laughs> um, which makes it such a fascinating topic. For you, Simon, again, because for you, it's very much something that you have a, an idea around in the work that you do. Yeah, and look, I think, and I'm just reading again about it today, I think it's the capacity to envision what is not. So it's not about envisaging what we have already, or, but it's imagining what doesn't exist. So I like that idea, that very future-forward-looking, imagining what isn't there. I think that's in its most simple piece. Does that land for you, like envisaging what is not? Yeah, seeing what is not there and then forming 
something one of the other things that was said it was about forming ideas and images that don't originate with your senses and again it's just distinguishing between mind and real world and so it's not something that's takes some sensory input it's just purely conjured which i think is a great word conjured because that <laughs> sort of talks to the talks to the magic of it doesn't it conjured we've and conjured look, something we'll we'll talk about this a little bit later doesn't have to be from sensory stimulation, but sensory stimulation can drive your imagination as well. And we'll kick off with a little quote, as we like to do, J.K. Rowling. We've got some more of her work to speak about a little bit later. And this is the better way to frame what I said before, not imagining what is, but imagining what is not. There we go. So it's bringing forth something in your mind that didn't exist before. And if I when I talk about it, in an innovation sense, and I always say innovation is nothing without us wingmen of creativity, curiosity, and imagination. And I present them, and I'm sort of holding my finger up here, fingers together in a little triangle. We think in a biblical sense, and apologies if I stray slightly off what is uh, 100% correct, but in a biblical sense, the thoughts are the Holy Trinity, God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, and when I brought up in the, in the church and it was like, well, what are they? Well, we're all the same, but they're all different. And so I could never quite understand it, but it's like creativity, curiosity, and imagination. They're all intertwined, but they are unique in their own right. Yeah. I think that's right. I started to get quite, not agitated is the wrong word, but as I was trying <laughs> to sort of really divide, it, well, what is it? And, and of course, the more I went into it, the more I realised to your point, I sort of said, oh, they just... They just weave into one another. They become one and the same and they draw from each other. And actually, the lines are not clearly drawn. That's okay. That's okay. So the next thing we started to consider, Simon, was the different types of imagination. I'm going to talk to that in a moment. I'm just going to start with another quote because I found some wonderful quotes about imagination as i was looking into this particular episode here's einstein always good always good value but he says imagination is everything it is the preview of life's coming attractions which i think is again <laughs> brilliant brilliant imagery there of um, almost like the outside of a cinema announcing what's coming next so that's einstein there's some more from him later types of imagination again as you start to think about it it's not just that childish imagination. And I think that's one of the things that sometimes imagination comes along second to creativity and curiosity because it's seen as a, a childish pursuit. And it was like uh, I got told this a lot when I was younger and as I'm sure a lot of kids do, you have a wild imagination like it's a bad thing. It's, what, yeah. what a terrible message. should be you got a wild imagination. Do you want to be president? So, <laughs> <laughs> that's you're on it. the right <laughs> yeah, isn't it crazy that you, you get told that your brain capacity is too big, essentially? That's what we're telling kids, and I'm sure many yeah. people listening will also listening at home and go, yeah, I was told that as well. So, Or I might have even told my kid that. Yeah, yeah, wild imagination, overactive, vivid, all of those kind of sort of that use of language that we have around imagination and children, as as you say, as if it's run rampant and it's actually dangerous <laughs> in some way. I don't know. It is bizarre. Be careful out there. There's too much imagination <laughs> going on. Help. <laughs> Danger. Imagination ahead. As we are thinking about it, of course, again, 
I, I was trying to get to some definitions of it, but there are different types of imagination. As we think about it, you start to go, okay, well, I can imagine things in the past. And imagination actually is very closely associated to memory. So when I recall something from memory, actually a bit of the brain that does light up for memory is associated with imagination. So I fill in some gaps. I imagine some bits of the story from the past and plug those in. And so the story changes over time. Well, that's imagination at play. Yeah, and it's like if uh, thinking about if you watch anything historical on television, your mind imagines those gaps, doesn't it? Like the story can't tell everything, but your mind imagines what's going on around that and starts to create a lot more information for you to draw on. That's as you said that that's just made me thought about from your perspective, Simon, as artist, isn't that one of the things that you do allow to do? You can get there's so much realism you have to present in an image. And people's minds fill in the gaps, isn't it? That's what happens to us when we look at drawings and stuff that you might use in a facilitation setting sometimes, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. You don't even notice those gaps, especially some of the work you do with illustration. You can leave 90% of the detail out and your brain fills in the, the um, your brain only needs about 10% and imagination will fill in the rest. Yeah. Yeah, so it's, a, it's a, again, you start to go, oh, wow, this is a, a superpower. It Imagination is. It is. It, it is. I, again, I was getting more it excited about well this. Is. <laughs> That's it. That's another T-shirt. Imagination is a superpower. There we go. There's imagination, of course, in time. I can imagine a future state of being or feeling. You know, I can imagine feeling happy at some point, or I can imagine doing something at some future point in time. So, and of course, that's where you get organisations start to have visions and they start to present pictures of something. And they say, look, that's where we're heading for. Imagine what it'd be like when we get there. And of course, that provides inspiration. So again, imagination, fantastically powerful. And just speaking of organisations, a great way to start off a talk, a workshop, a keynote, and a little bit of our help from our keynote coach here, use the word imagine. Imagine if, imagine. So you ask that question at the beginning of your conversation or your presentation, whatever it is, and you draw people in because you're not going to say, all right, here's the deal. None of that, you're imagining, so you're inviting people to open their minds. So it's a nice way just to foster a different way of thinking as well just Mm. that one word imagine yeah there was uh again in some of the reading around it you know i said earlier about uh, sometimes imaginations get saddled with that being a childish pursuit oh they have those kids they're so imaginative and then it sort of gets dispelled or it gets sort of quashed at later life but there was one of the research papers was saying that kids are unblocked and so that is why they are inverted commas good at imagination they're unblocked and of course as we get older then we put certain constraints and limits and assumptions around stuff and so we become blocked and so as you rightly say when you go imagine to someone it's a permission to almost let the barriers down to sort of say look just imagine just take the take the blocks down for a minute free the mind and just let it go on its journey as kids would do because they don't have those constraints. So, yeah, imagine's a great place to allow someone to start on a journey somewhere. Imagination in place. I can imagine being somewhere, somewhere hot like Australia compared to freezing cold England at the moment. That's a good way to use my imagination or maybe it makes me feel envious. But I can imagine that or my cat at home being asleep so I can picture something, somewhere, me or a, another entity. 
I often ask the uh, question when we talk around imagination or, you know, you're creative or not, and I'll say, have you ever been at work and imagined you could be somewhere else and everyone's <laughs> hand in the audience goes up and they go, of course, we've all, we're all imagined, we've sat at work, and go, oh, God, and whatever conversations going on around that. You look out the window and you imagine you're at that special place, you're at home with a cat, like you said, or you're on holiday with your feet up and sun or doing. So we all we all imagine. It's really powerful. I think it's a nice way to get us through certain times as well, which we might talk about a little bit later, that ability to yeah. imagine being somewhere else. Yeah, definitely. As we come into this, I think we, we'll start to think about, well, how do we spark it? How do we use it to full effect? And of course, in what types of environments? And think back to your teenage years for many, world wrestling, the costumes they used to have, like they'd all come out dressed as, you know, the British Bulldogs and all, all be themed. <laughs> so it's imaginations everywhere. People come out with their um, you know, different identities. And so imaginations, it's all around us, John. <laughs> so you're saying that all I can remember is all the different items of household sort of furniture that we'd use to smash each other over the head with they usually go here comes the window cleaner and he'd come out with a ladder and then he starts to smash the other person in the face with it <laughs> yes fantasy we could imagine fantastical things such as jk rowling but we could imagine half man half chicken wwf wrestler so that would be another thing so fantasy is obviously a fantastic way that we could imagine worlds as well as ideas that just don't exist in any realm and dreaming and what yeah dreaming what about dreaming well dreaming again you just look at that again sort of the bits of brain that, that they see lighting up they see lighting up when people are imagining things in in waking life or time or and so imagination in terms of dreaming it is it's imagination but as they would say without executive control so it's we're not able to control it in the same way as when we're awake. When we imagine, then we can think about it and process it and maybe get some insight from it and do something with it. Whereas dreaming, we are imagining, but we can't do anything with it. Well, we might do when we wake up. Yeah, sure. And I've also heard as you collect all these bits of thought throughout the day and they sort of stored in your subconscious. And when you sleep and you turn off that executive control, you then release them and they float around and connect with other ideas. John, I want to draw your attention to a quote. It's from our main man, Albert Einstein. But he says, I am enough of an artist to draw freely upon my imagination. Imagination is more important than knowledge. Knowledge is limited. Imagination encircles the world. Mm. Thoughts? Well, he's always on it, isn't he? I mean, he was great at doing imagining thought experiments. So the idea around where he traveled on a beam of light, he imagined being sat on a beam of light and traveling out into space. And he imagined the consequences of that. So it was a fantastic leap of imagination. So, yeah, he was brilliant. So despite perception of him as a scientist in the classical sense, he was deeply philosophical and a fantastic well of imagination. And that's how he then came to yeah. new knowledge founded from nothing other than him turning it over in his own mind. Yeah, amazing. And I often think, I often speak around this idea of thinking like an artist and, you know, mm. we have design thinking. We also have art thinking. 
And it's that ability just to, yeah, draw on that imagination, like without maybe no specific outcome. Like when you're starting maybe an abstract artwork, you just start to push stuff around. You might have an idea, but you just let your imagination unfold. So, and look, we're all artists, absolutely. We're all, we're all natural-born artists. So it's, I love this idea of, you know, I allow myself to be sit in that space of artistry so I can draw on that imagination, which then will drive all this other great stuff that he did and why you know he's a little bit of this could be called albert's fan club this <laughs> our <laughs> podcast we we speak about him a lot but look, that takes us through to how does imagination play out how do we start to see it and how can we it also ties into how can we develop it and we go back to when ash was on our show many moons ago the king of mm. play just around how play helps us develop our imagination, but also play is a product of our imagination. When kids express their ideas through play, they might be a superhero, they might mm. design a program or they um, design a program, sounds a bit corporate. <laughs> <laughs> they might design some game and like my daughter's 10 and I know your daughter's around the sort of the same age, but she comes mm. home every day. I said, what did you play? Oh, we played shops or we played pets or we played zoos and they they play as she says i'm not in the sporty group we're in the the weird group she tells me so but they imagine (laughs) (laughs) really (laughs) that's good i'm delighted but they they imagine some new game every day and through play they bring that imagination to life yeah and there was something about that you know i was saying about play earlier about those people who play games now as adults yeah i noted that there was something saying around as you get older, though, play becomes less imaginative and more competitive. And I suppose that chimes with that idea of what we're saying about them taking part in the World Hide and Seek Championship and they win <laughs> money. And it's competitive, isn't it? It's not, hey, let's just go off and pretend we're in space. Yeah, <laughs> pretend. Who's the, who's the best? Who's the best conquer champion? Hey, man. So adults do still play. But, yeah, I thought that was quite interesting. It tends to get a bit more competitive. And I think they were saying that, Adults do engage in plays such as obviously video games, now, improvisation. Again, we'll we'll come back to that theme. And then they would say cosplay. Do you know what cosplay is, Simon? Oh, look, my initial thoughts are you, you dress up in themed costumes, and then you might go into a like some sort of activity or a battle or something which represents the themes you've got. So you might dress up as knights or something yeah. on those lines and Vikings and run around the woods, but you've got like wooden swords instead of Yeah, swords. yeah, yeah. You can do that reenactment. So the other ones where they go dressing up as their favourite superheroes and they go to these yeah. conventions, you know, comic con. Yeah, and sure. Like so that, yeah. I, I know you get people dressing up like that. But, yeah, you're right, you're, those reenactments. I've actually stumbled across one, actually, in the woods nearby me. <laughs> <laughs> I stumbled across Gandalf vanquishing an orc. And they stopped and looked at me as if I was in the wrong place. They were furious that I'd interrupted their game. <laughs> Imagine, like, there's a human in Middle Earth. <laughs> yeah, What's he doing it. here? <laughs> banished back to Hobbit land. Get out. I would love to come across something like that. That'd be, that'd be, that would be, and I'm saying this in a positive way. What a great thing to watch. And rah, like, yeah, they were having a great time. They were having a great time. Yeah. 
And see, the joy of imagination and think of imagination as a muscle as well. So the more you dress up in cool clothes and go crazy, yeah, the, the, the better it is. Now, some other ways to bring imagination, I think this is specifically goes into the workplace as well, storytelling. So when we, mm. when we tell a story, we create, even though we have limited words, we create a whole I guess, a visual scene of something in our mind. So when we go into that story, we create, uh, which are they say, why reading is so important to develop the imagination. We fill in those gaps. So we, we create so much more of a scene than just data or something by itself alone. And again, I've read, uh, I know I won't have it quite right, but if you wrap uh, data up in a story where you can imagine those characters in the story, it's about something, you know, 600 times easier to remember than just, you know, a presentation by itself. And another one on that, I'm, I'm riffing a little bit, the ability to be able to visualise, which is very important, in, I guess, in my world. But once we visualise something, we create a whole picture that people can start to fill the gaps in as well. And often we'll talk around, oh, here's the company's vision. And so the very word lends itself to being visual so we can imagine where the company will be. Like They're not saying where we will be in five years or ten years. This is a vision of where we want to be. So we're inviting people to imagine. One of the things is you were saying that as well, we can set out visions for people. We can tell the story. And so we can engage people to imagine how they might feel, what they might be doing, how they would be in that new world that you're trying to sort of help them imagine together. Goals is the same. You know, I'll often talk about when we're setting goals for individuals or teams, that idea of a smart goal, but also as you set the goal to sort of go, look, just imagine 12 months time you've achieved this goal. What will you see? What will you hear that's different? What would you feel that's different? And that's an incredibly powerful way to make a, the achievement of a goal come to life in quite a visceral way. You see people just go, ah, oh, yeah, well, Tom, Jane and Harry would be like this. And wow, that would be amazing. And you suddenly get them sort of engaged in a goal or some future state that on paper didn't really sort of fire them up, but suddenly you get them imagining it, they're there. I've done a lot of this type of work, as in I'm on the receiving end of that. A lot of the entrepreneurial programs I've been involved in, I've always just like envisaged myself walking down the beach in like tight white pants <laughs> and I've got like <laughs> big boot yeah, box. You, my, you just made, like, made yeah, me imagine like, an image I don't want. What you do that yeah, a bit for? John, John Travolta, like a gold necklace, like, yeah, boom, multi-million dollars, man. Just do whatever I want. Yeah. <laughs> What's the opposite of imagination? What do I need to do? I need to switch something up so I can take that out of my mind. Now, when we're sort of thinking forward, and we spoke a little bit about this sort of chatting before, that we've had a pretty average couple of years for most people, and we spoke around that, as I said, you know, that we need resilience, we need to rebuild, recover, all that type of stuff. I counterbalance that with we need to reimagine. We need to reimagine so we can reimagine the store, the, the environment we want to be in, the, the world we want to create. And it's like you don't want to be an actor in someone else's story. You want to reimagine the story you want to be part of. Like this, all this crap isn't happening around you. You just got to, oh, resilient, man. Be resilient. Just roll up and take it. No, reimagine what you can do. I was looking at some of the TED Talks, as we often do as we sort of come around these topics, but there are some great TED Talks and we'll put them in the show notes. But uh, there's one John Bolton and he talks about lessons from Shakespeare, one of those great imaginative writers of all time. And he was looking at the lessons that we could apply in, in the modern world. But there was a great one where he said, imagination is not a childish pursuit. 
And he said, because as the world becomes more complex, as the pace of change becomes more frantic, to your point, imagination gives us more options to cope. And that's what we say about resilience. Resilience gives us the ability to cope. And he's saying it's imagination that's going to give us the options to cope. And I thought that was brilliant just to to really sort of put imagination front and center as being a critical skill to cope, to, as you say, to reimagine and be able to go, how are we going to adapt because of what's changed around us to where we find ourselves? It's amazing. Now, thinking of critical skills, imagine... Oh, there we go. I had to drop that in without meaning to. I'm Imagine there, I'm, there. I'm, off. Yeah, I'm off on a but journey. Your bear grills, you dropped into you know the Amazon, let's say in this instance, and you had to get out. He has to imagine. He has to use his imagination. He doesn't just be resilient, does he? He jumps into being imaginative. Yeah, he just see, I wonder where my film crew are or what hotel I'm staying in tonight. That's what he does. Oh, maybe, allegedly. <laughs> John, it's time for a thought experiment. And this week's thought experiment is called Imagine Badger. Are you ready to play? <laughs> of course, my mind is unblocked. I'm ready okay, to play. Okay, so imagine, imagine, imagine this. Imagine this. It's a beautiful English summer day. In the later on in the evening, sort of about seven o'clock, but as we know, it's you know, the sun's brightly shining. You're lying out in your backyard. It's looking great. You've just got like shorts and T-shirt on. You've got the, you, know, you can feel the grass on your feet and you're lying on soft English grass. There's no what we call bindies in Australia, which is like prickles and that type of thing. So you're just lying there. And all of a sudden, up wanders a badger on its back legs. Now, friendly badger, not like maybe the angry badgers you have in the, the US. Now, what's the, and he says, hello, John. What's the badger's name? <laughs> uh, Rollo. Rollo. Okay. You go, hi, Rollo. But what's Rollo's best friend's name? <laughs> Jeff. Jeff. All right, Rollo and Jeff, great friends at school. Now, what was his favourite subject when he went to badger school? Uh, uh, he was really into maths. Okay. Was, yeah, good at maths, I remember, Rollo. What was his favourite colour? Uh, um, he's kind of, I think he was into sort of a turquoisey green. I could see he's wearing, he's actually, um, might be going a bit wind of the willows, but he's wearing a waistcoat, my badger. So I'm going to go sort of a turquoisey green colour. As all good badgers do. Now, you and you and Rollo are having a bit of a chat and you've been chatting for a while and it's pretty nice, beautiful summer the evening. Does the badger hope to be when he grows up? Uh, a professor. Okay, you talk some more. It's amazing. Now, what's what's Rollo's greatest fear? Um, <laughs> his greatest fear is meeting Brian May from Queen. Okay, because <laughs> he'll think he's like King Badger. <laughs> okay, now. You have to ask yourself, though, why is the badger by itself just wandering around on its hind legs? Because he goes on a bit. He just yeah. keeps talking. Now, out of nowhere, the badger punches you in the face and makes your nose bleed. How do you respond? Well, I'd probably sort of start crying first, and then I'd 
what do you do that for? Obviously, would be my first thing because I'd be thinking something set him off. Have I said something? Then he uh, punches uh, you again. If he punches me again in the oh, eye, man, well, then we're down on the ground wrestling now. We're rolling in the mud. I'm rolling with Rollo. All right, now you've just been arrested for animal cruelty, and that's the end. <laughs> <laughs> Simon, I want to start with another quotation before we start to think about more about imagination and how it might be useful. But uh, this is J.K. Rowling. Imagination is not only the uniquely human capacity to envisage that which is not, and therefore the foundation of all invention and innovation, in its arguably most transformative and revelatory capacity, it is the power that enables us to empathise with humans whose experiences we have never shared. Mm. Thoughts great. on that? Oh, what a great quote. That, that, that comes up so often, this idea of empathy, doesn't it? And I think mm. it's a really nice way to create that human connection to it rather than being, oh, we don't really need it. It's actually that it's part of being human. So I think it's a really nice way to jump into why is imagination useful? Why is it so useful? We've probably talked about this on and off, but any things? And let, let's maybe kick off with that that human element. Well, just as uh, J.K. Rowling's there, a very human thing. As they would say, evolution doesn't provide things for nothing. It, it provides it because it wants to have us <laughs> live and reproduce, etc. So it allows us to see beyond our current situation. It allows us to imagine a future state or way of being, whatever. So planning and envisioning and forecasting, sort of where we can sort of look beyond where we are right now to imagine a change that we might be desiring. So that's quite clearly a really useful thing. And from your perspective, obviously, Simon, you see it as very closely aligned to the thing that fuels progress and innovation. Well, innovation is nothing without imagination. I'd say innovation is uh, imagination plus action is innovation. Like You can't have innovation. It's not something that happens to us. It's a very human experience, John. It's minds. It's in. It's imaginative minds rubbing on minds. When we start to humans connect and their imaginations and ideas smash up against each other, that's, that's innovation or that's the start of innovation. I was thinking as well, just you saying that, that I always think sometimes imagination's quite a solo pursuit because it's in our minds as we're imagining things. But I guess then there's a moment where we have to bring our imaginations together and that then becomes the innovation process or creativity process. Is that that be something that you thought of as well? Well, I've just been reflecting on this this week because I've been doing some work with clients with stuff you would normally do in the room together. We've taken that mm. online, so we might spread that, let's say, a design sprint over a few weeks. The beauty of that is it lets people, allows for synchronous and asynchronous work where I'm always, yeah, do it together, mm. collaborate, mm. all that type of stuff. So, But the flip side of that is it lets people who maybe think a little bit differently to the way I do or respond a little bit differently in groups, it lets people leave that situation and imagine things by themselves as well. So that mm. I think it's... Uh, uh, yeah, bringing we bring innovation comes from things coming together in collaboration. Absolutely, because you can't innovate by yourself. But I know, I know that's not the right thing. An idea is never fully formed just by one person. It takes mm. a team and groups of people. But we can, when we can imagine things by ourselves, 
like you said, you imagine things when you're, you might be on a long journey or you're listening to your iPod or your imagination can kick into place. So it's a long answer to a, a short question, but I, I think it's, it's both. Mm-hmm. It's that asynchronous and synchronous. It's solo and team-based as well. Maybe we can talk to that as in, in later on as we think about how you can actually bring it to life in teams as an individual but also as a collaborative pursuit. And I really like what J.K. Rowling said around we can imagine other people's worlds and what it's like for them. We can then display empathy. And what a Mm. beautiful human trait to have and also an essential corporate trait as well to have empathy not only for your teammates but for your customers because when you have empathy and spend time in other people's shoes, you can design solutions that they need and want and you can make a lot of money from those solutions. Yeah, yes. Oh, you can. Well, I was yeah. Gonna say, but that's, yeah, empathy. Make money, man. We're so <laughs> empathic this month. We're up <laughs> we're up thirty percent on the empathy scale. <laughs> but uh, but, but uh, pay a dividend. No, but no, you're right. Um the other thing I was thinking as you were saying is the empathy just is the bedrock of trust. Yeah. And we know we're always coming back to this in organizational life, uh, building trust in teams particularly, but also as something that's endemic in the culture of an organization. Yeah, trust is everything. Trust builds relationships, trust builds teams, and it builds business. And we've all heard those sayings like, you know, never judge someone on that outward behavior because everyone can have a crappy day and all that that sort of type of stuff. So just actually think, yeah, how, how spend some time in your shoes. What are you going through? Have that empathy, a little bit more understanding, stand back a little bit more, be a little bit more human and imagine what could be behind that action. Imagine what could be behind that display of something which might grade up against you a little bit. And so that really nice thing just to take your thoughts a little bit wider rather than going to that same place we always do first. Mm. You And you've talked uh, a few times, Simon, about, how we're moving from the knowledge age, you know, we the, we had the industrial age, we had the knowledge age, and I've heard you sometimes talk about we're we're now moving to the imagination age, and that then is becoming the differentiator. Yeah, look, there's a few different. Uh, some people might say no, we've passed that, we're in another age, so I don't want to be you know too didactic in that. But look, knowledge is everywhere. Knowledge is free. We can Google anything we want. We don't need to be a walking encyclopedia. It's the imagination is how do we connect that knowledge and now creativity? How do we imagine what we can do with that knowledge? How do we imagine what's possible with the resources we've got? And also, how do we imagine a better future? Because the ability to do things faster and smarter, really, we know automation and artificial intelligence is taking care of that stuff. So our imagination is what sets us apart and it's the things that machines can't do. And building on that, imagination makes money. I said, I said that before, like empathy makes money. Not that that's the reason you do it, but if you can design something that somebody really wants because you've got a great amount of empathy and understanding for their problems, all of a sudden you're a billionaire, aren't you? <laughs> and so imagination yeah. makes money. Like it's J.K. Rowling. Look what her imagination created. Peter Jackson, when he designed um, what are those films in New Zealand, the words escape me now, uh, Lord of the Rings. Lord, yeah. Lord of the Rings, yeah. yeah it's absolutely. not just in film and storytelling. In organisations, imagination makes money. And like think around brands have used their imagination to say, oh, we'll deliver that wine to your house. We'll set up a wine club. You don't have to come to us anymore. There's a great brand in Australia who gives a crap they're calling their sort of uh, toilet uh, yeah. paper, but toilet paper for a great cause. They use their imagination to ask, you know, what if 
yeah, why does it have to be that? Why do we need to chop down trees? Why does toilet paper have to be boring? So the, see, the imagination <laughs> is your differentiator, John, and it makes it can the commercial benefits of imagination are huge. John, I really like this quote from Andre Breton, who is in many circles known as the father of surrealism, which is sort of, you know, painting your dreams style uh, work of art. And he says, the man who cannot visualize a horse galloping on a tomato is an idiot. (laughs) Well, I've got it firmly fixed in my mind right now. How about you, Simon? I'm not an idiot. I can see it Clydesdale, but if you're sitting at home and you can't visage that, hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Go join the idiots over there. (laughs) Quickly. So, look, (laughs) how do we spark our imagination? We're a not-so-serious business podcast, so as we do, we like to talk around for individuals in organisations or you're a solopreneur, an entrepreneur, teams, and then on a leadership, from a leadership perspective. Let's say... Individual, how can we spark our imagination on an individual level? Well, one of the things I was thinking about came from some of the research that talks about when we have those daydreaming moments, you know, so we all have daydreaming moments. I I don't know when you get yours, but I've had it where I'm on a long train journey and I'm sitting there Mm. gazing out the window. And that's sometimes for me, I I sort of switch into some mode where suddenly a lot of ideas, the good old blue sky thinking really comes Mm. about when I'm just sitting there with minimal things to do or focus on, tasks to do or whatever. And apparently that's absolutely right. It's what's called the default mode network. And we can activate that, the default mode network. It's almost when you might be doing something that's mundane. So you could be walking or ironing or washing the dishes and you know looking out the window for example and so the brain doesn't have to cope with much by way of processing stuff so the the brain kind of goes into low power mode (laughs) the red light comes on and then it can go and do this stuff which then allows it to go freewheel a little so if we can as individuals find ways to activate the default mode network that's not a bad start really to find opportunities to daydream a little and the opposite or the opposite, the counterbalance of the default mode network is the executive attention network. And that's where we spend most of our day. It's that logical, focused, rules-based part of our brain. Absolutely essential because we wouldn't get anything done if we didn't activate this. But you need to think of the default mode network where our subconscious lives, where our ideas live, where our imagination lives. They need to be working in unison. Most of us, uh, you know, I do the same. You spend all day tap, tap away on the keyboard be not counterbalancing that with another way of thinking. You know, the old school ways to be left brain, right brain, but we know neuroscience tells us that's all BS and our brain is a, a bunch of different networks. So it's the ability to get those networks engaged. And on that piece around daydreaming, and I think I've said it before, but uh, often because you catch a lot of plane flights in Australia for work, get on the plane, you're about half an hour in, they bring out their first wine and you sort of start to wind down a little bit. Your phone's off because, you know, you can't look at the phone and you have that and I always find, whoo, that's a trigger moment. Just your brain just starts exactly what you've said. You've you've turned off mm. that, that sort of rules-based principles focus, get shit done which is important part. We don't want to daydream all day, but we've all of a sudden those ideas, that imagination starts to flow, and that's what you can start to build on when you get back to work. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think we said earlier as well is as individuals as well, give ourselves permission. We often talk about this idea of, you know, oh, think like kids and tap into your inner child. And and sometimes you get people saying, oh, whatever. But there's a truth to it in so much as what we said earlier is that kids are unblocked. And so it's that idea of, okay, let's look, look, just take the barriers off for a minute. Just allow myself to free will. Uh, don't rule anything out and see where it takes me. So you can give yourself permission once you're in that default mode network mode to yeah take the constraints off and just free will don't let anything block you in that moment and then see what emerges and so it's lovely moments we might think back in life and you remember just one time nothing on your agenda you might have been there with a friend or your partner whatever it is and you just look back and you look at the clouds and then you have a bit of a chat about what you've seen yeah so it's beautiful moments we allow yourself some moments to imagine whatever it is. so almost allow yourself some moments to turn off so you could even talk about it from a mental health perspective couldn't you like mm. or a, a physical health perspective or a um, productivity perspective allow yourself that time to turn off i also say devices this has always come up really highly on you want to get your imagination working turn off your device and yeah let yourself flow a little bit which we've spoken about before and one of the simplest ways is go for a walk go for a yeah. walk that is one of the things that does sort of set you in that default mode network because our brains don't have to constantly go how do i walk how do i walk how do i yes <laughs> <laughs> So it allows you to, yeah, take yourself off. Figuratively and literally take yourself on a journey. So if you think about this, our imagination's there. It's actually not hard to use it. It's, it's just literally sitting there waiting for us to use it. Like you might think our creativity is maybe bringing something into the world that wasn't there, like maybe in a more physical capacity. And that might, there's, I know it's a very loose term, but imagination, it's just, those ideas in your head that they're there they're there already just give yeah. yourself a little bit of permission to let them pop out what about teams how they might interact john and engage how do we bring imagination and look i know it's been i speak about it a lot and i've been reading a fair few articles on it doing the research for this show so he's spoken about a lot more but we it's always it might be uh, we speak about creativity and our curiosity, the wingmen mm -hmm. of imagination. What about this uh, thought of imagination? How might we bring that into a way teams interact, engage? Well, I was thinking, obviously, it's trying to make sure you harness it in the right way. So we spoke earlier about imagination at the very beginning is, is something of a solo pursuit. We are in our own minds, aren't we? We're imagining things. Well, I think as teams, we need to allow people then opportunity to have that time. But then critically, I think it's to be able to bring those ideas back, those things they have imagined back into the team and the group and allow them to be explored then in a safe environment. You know, we've talked about psychological safety and trust and all of those things. But if teams want to really harness imagination, we need to give people the abilities to be able to indulge in it a little. Indulge is probably the wrong word because it makes it sound like it's something... Oh, too fanciful. <laughs> oh, go and indulge in some imagination. He's, oh, he's indulged in imagination. Yeah. <laughs> Outrageous. He's over in, overindulged. But then bring it back because that's the moment then where you start to cross-fertilize ideas, things that you've imagined, and then you can start to work things up together. So allow time to do it on their own and then allow time and create the environment for them to come back and share together would be my first thought. 
and just reflects on what we said, uh, what I said before, which is one of my big aha moments that synchronous, asynchronous work, that team based and that solo based work allow different times. Imagine if you said to your team, right, you're going to leave your phones here. I want you to go for a walk by yourself and just imagine. This is a question. Imagine. Come back to see what you come back with. No right or wrong. Just see what you come back with. I wonder if that would be viewed as an outrageously poor use of time. <laughs> I have worked with leadership teams where walking was one of the activities mm. that we had to take them out just to put them in a different environment. But, of course, you're absolutely right. You could have them walk on their own, which I yeah. think would be fantastic. And then you can have them walk together. The same ideas at play that you're allowing them to drop into that default mode network part of the brain to allow it to free will. So absolutely, I think walking, you could drop them into that state. I did suddenly think about whether, as they said, doing the ironing and washing the dishes, whether I could get a team to do that together. Say, right, you lot, you lot wash the dishes, you lot do my shirts and see what you come (laughs) up with. And you also know that this might happen. Oh, we've sent three of the guys. They're not back yet. And just call the local pubs. Ah, yep, they're here. Imagining. (laughs) (laughs) What about leaders, Simon? We talked about individuals, talked about teams. We often talk then about leaders, uh, organizations by extension. What do you think they can do around creating environments where imagination provides some value i think more than anything i probably feel a bit fired up by this this week but you have to model that behavior ask questions where you encourage people to imagine be that person we want to imagine a new future we want to imagine if things weren't that way or instead of saying what does that look like say what might that look like how could that be so ask those really open questions as a leader and be open to what comes back because you're asking people to imagine you're not asking for the right answer you're asking to think differently about what could be so model that behavior model that be someone who uses their imagination that's a really interesting point isn't it that as you say, that questions, you know, that idea of being curious, if we frame and construct the questions in the right way, they do automatically have the brain kick in in yeah. terms of imagining. So what if, how might we, as you, as you rightly say. And I was thinking as well, as it's, and it's great, isn't it? Because you said something there, which is, and they don't have to have an answer. And I think that's one of the challenges organisations find is their people are fearful sometimes that they're expected to have answers all the time and so if leaders can just go look set the solutions and answers to one side for a minute i just want you to imagine let's just see what comes out of that exploration don't worry about having answers right now that's very liberating isn't it yeah you can imagine to get to answers at some point but too often they rush to solutions and, and answers too readily or feel they need to and they lose that opportunity for that divergent thinking. Yeah, and also applying this divergent and this imaginative thinking, I really like this thought of, and we've spoken about before, imagine if something wasn't the case. You know, we have these myths, that's the way it's always been, the assumptions, the conference, the, conference, the, the corporate cliches, that's just the way we do things around here. Imagine giving the space saying, imagine if these things weren't true. What are the rules we have in our organisation? They're just around because of the way they are. It might be Barry or Kevin, 1973, was a bloody great idea, but in 2021, (laughs) 
It's not so good, but, you know, Barry just retired. No one ever challenged that assumption. So imagine if the Barry assumption was challenged. Like what, what could that look like? So encourage people to use their imagination across the organisation. And there's something as well, we've also said leaders, as well as, as you say, role modelling, um, they're very much tasked with creating the environments that allow such things to flourish and grow, imagination, creativity, curiosity. And so I do think they can create those environments. They can systemize the wrong word, but they can create time for those things to happen. They can create spaces and places for that stuff to happen. Of course, you want it to happen all over the organization, not suggesting you need to have an imagination room or booth, but, you know, <laughs> maybe that's a starting point. Go in and imagine. Well, imagine what's possible um, if you did. Yeah. <laughs> and so creating time and space, I think, is, is something leaders can do. Think about the triggers that help trigger people's imagination. Again, that could be a time space or, or simply moments where they get to be curious or whatever. So find the triggers, provide the time, provide the spaces and places. Make sure it's safe for people to imagine and share the product of their imagination. That's key. Again and again, we keep coming back to it. So it seems to be environment, doesn't it, that they can create and culture. And also imagine what the world will look like if you don't imagine, if you don't reimagine what you do and the clients you serve and their changing needs and your place in the world and the impact you want to make as an organisation. Imagine what that looks like if you just don't change. Okay, it doesn't mean you need yeah. to tear up your business model, but the world around us is changing so quickly. So there are so many opportunities if you reimagine what's possible. So if you're a leader, your job is to reimagine. Your job is to reimagine and rethink and revision and retell stories and ask those questions and encourage everyone around you to be on that journey as well. And I presume, Simon, you, you've said it before with that idea of uh, design thinking, testing, prototyping, where you could also make sure that people see that imagination coming to life, allow people some latitude to say, okay, that's great. Take it further. What does that look like? Bring it to life in some way. So imagination then sort of fuels some creative exercise and that might bring something to life which could be tested and thought about and explored further and it might not go anywhere. But leaders and organisations have to say it's okay to imagine, to create, and it doesn't have to go anywhere. But if it does, we might find something amazing at the end of this process. So they have to incentivize and reward that type of behaviour as well, don't they? Yeah, and I read a survey, again, I can't remember, I can't, don't know who to credit it to, but they said the number one thing leaders can do to drive innovation in their organisation is to model innovation. Do the things that you want everyone to do. So prototype, bring ideas to life, get involved in brainstorms, go out and meet your clients, imagine what's like in their shoes, all of that type of stuff. That's what leaders can do by wanting to build that culture of innovation and imagination. After the success of the sponsorship for Brian's Meats from Gosford, we have another sponsor this week who we'd like to thank, and let's hear from them now. Welcome to Stan's Cleaning Solutions. For all your cleaning solution needs, this month some new products. Hydroperoxide Atatone for cleaning abattoir floors and make them sparkle again. And our new patent pending chuff plugger, which brings every carpet back to life. And finally, the Shinerama experience, which will bring a shine to everything in your house, including your kids. 
Ha-ha. Stan's Cleaning Solutions. Quality cleaning solutions at quality prices for quality people. Really, really enjoyed today's show. I felt a bit fired up. I think, man, we're standing at the precipice of something here, John. If we use our imagination, I think especially in organisations who have the ability to make such big positive change in the world and leave a big impact on the world as well. Yeah, it feels magical. It feels mystical. It feels like it's in a bottle and there's a sort of unearthly glow coming from this bottle of imagination and we just need to sort of take the stopper out. Yeah, I, I was similarly very, very fired up looking into it, reading around it, understanding it a bit more and realising just what a superpower it is. Yeah, and that that is, it's a, it's a superpower. And the great thing is it's literally there in our brains waiting for us to use it. And we probably imagine a whole lot more than we think. And that whole thing, you know, imagine you're at work and ever been at work and imagine you could be somewhere else. Look, absolutely. So bring a little bit of that imagination into work. And if you're if you're a person with any sort of responsibility or influence or just no matter where you are in an organization, create that space for people to do it. And John, that's this. That's the end of the show. What do we what do we want people to do? As ever, we would like them to keep listening, uh, to subscribe, to tell their friends, to rate us. That's been nice to get some feedback from people rating the show as well. Get in touch if you want to sort of ask us about other topics we might explore. Check out the website, download the guides that are available there. And as always, most importantly, stay curious, make stuff, have fun, play more, and imagine. Now, John, speaking of imagine, did you ever have an imaginary friend when you were younger? Uh, yeah, but things didn't end so well there. We had a falling out. Okay. He stole, <laughs> he stole my football stickers. <laughs> Loser. Loser.